I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, S.E. Fleenor. And the comic I read most recently was Heterogenea Linguistico, which is a manga, the subtitle of which is An Introduction to Interspecies Linguistics, and it's by Salt Seno. I love it. It's about werewolves who are like, hi, I'm a werewolf. But then also it's about like humans interacting with the werewolves. And there's just like this very like confused human trying to like study <laughs> werewolves and lizard people and it's it's just a lot of like it reminds me of learning a language you're just like I said something really offensive and I did not know that's what I was saying and it's adorable I love it <laughs> it's almost the opposite I guess of <laughs> my most recent comic I'm Sarah Century. My most recent comic is X-Force Zero Tolerance, which is an omnibus that collects most of John Francis Moore's X-Force run, which is after Jeff Loeb, pre-other uh, stuff. And <laughs> it is <laughs> very the, <laughs> the time of... Basically, they go on a road trip, which is pretty cool. They bring back James, like James Proudstar becomes one of the main characters. They bring back Roberto da Costa. They bring back Danny Moonstar, thank God. So they kind of take the center stage. Meltdown's there. It's really fun. They go on a road trip. Uh, Scooby gang, there's literal like Scooby-Doo analogs for a couple pages. <laughs> who are like, it. man, we don't hate on mutants. Mutants are just like everybody else. And then like they <laughs> end up going to Burning Man also. And then they meet Karma. And Karma is a lesbian. Um, they like run back into Karma, who they haven't seen in a long time. Her hair is very short and pink, and she's wearing, like, hip huggers, and she's like, oh, I'm just here with these two total lesbians. And so, like, <laughs> even though it took a really, like, it took longer than this for her to actually come out, this is whenever I was just like, I like that character. Who's that? <laughs> Which is a sure sign that they are homosexuals. <laughs> I love it. That sounds delightful. I can't wait to read that. Oh, I don't know. But some of it's really good. Yeah. Zero Tolerance X-Force is maybe not most people's favorite, but I have a very special place in my heart for it. I'll just cut to the karma part. You'll tell me where it is. Oh, yeah. Hey, listeners. Welcome back. We're doing one of our fun sort of different episodes where we don't 
do an interview. We don't answer a question, but we have a comic we need to talk about. We need to talk about it with y'all. And so we're going to dedicate the whole normal amount that we would dedicate to a question to one comic. And this time we're talking about one of the coolest ones. Tell them about it, Sarah. This is one of my favorite comics. It's called Glory, and it was written by Joe Keating. It's illustrated by Sophie Campbell. Colors are done by Various. They all look real good. And the letters are done by Douglas E. Sherwood. Uh, I feel like it, we need like a guitar riff. We originally planned this as a comic of the week. And you were like, you have to read it. And I could not find a digital version of it. I couldn't find it at the library in a trade paperback. I couldn't find a trade paperback to buy. And then I called Amalgam Comics in Philly. And I was like, you have to help me. I need to get my hands on Glory because it matters to Sarah. And so they (laughs) got me this gorgeous, gorgeous hard copy cover that is the complete saga of Glory. It is so rad. And I know for your birthday, you got it, Sarah, as well. I did. And it is just such a delightful collection. I think it is worth every penny. And I loved it. So we loved it so much. We were like, let's make it a comic of the week. And then we were like, there is no way we are going to talk about it a comic of the week length. You know? (laughs) Yeah, because there's so many issues. Oh, yeah. The omnibus, it's all of the issues. It's 23 to 30 something, right? So... It's it's a few. I think it's like 13, 14 issues, but still not enough, right? Wish this series had gone on forever because it still felt like there was so much left to be said whenever this ended. Now, I missed it when it was coming out. I was not regularly buying comics at the time. We all take breaks from time to time, and that was one of mine. And people would show pictures of it, and I'd be like, what comic is that? And finally, of course, people are like, oh, Glory. And I was like, you mean from like the Liefeld universe? Because it was a character from, you know, Supreme, Glory, you know, all of those. Now, Alan Moore did obviously a run on Supreme that is considered to be a pretty great comic of the 90s. And Glory also had a run for a little while was written by Joe Duffy, who's a good writer and one of the few women that was writing comics whenever I was a kid, right? So I always loved Joe Duffy's work. And I didn't realize that she had actually written a ton of Glory comics, but it's actually pretty good. I was pretty dismissive towards this character. And then I read the Joe Duffy and I was like, you know what? Even before I loved this character with this run, it was still a pretty good character because people at least would play around with things because it's kind of like a Wonder Woman analog, right? Like it's basically Wonder Woman. I believe that she's raised on a similar situation, right? It's kind of Amazon Island-ish. So it has all of this kind of weird history, right? And then all of a sudden, there's like a redesign of the character. So obviously, the number one thing you have to think about is when we think of this character, the redesign that they gave her and the way that she's like built and scarred. It looks like she has been through wars for the last thousand years because that was the story that they were giving us about this character. But she was always like, pristine, beautiful, like blah, 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 my perfect hair. And in this, it's just like... yeah. Now she's like a beefy, like... She reminds me of like WWE wrestlers. Like she is muscle upon muscle and it is all being used, you know? Like there's no, there's no like vanity muscles on glory, you know? (laughs) Totally, because it's all stuff that happened while she was just charging headfirst into battle and putting her life on the line again and again and again and again. So that's something that's super fascinating about this arc, just to begin with, is is that it really is a meditation on the effects of war, right? And how this character is this glorious hero, but a lot of people are still shitty to her, you know? It's like there's still, like, sexism. She still has to deal with bullshit from Supreme, who's annoying, and they have this really cool standoff where he's like, well, you need to explain your origins because I don't trust you. And she's like, I don't care if you trust me. (laughs) That's not my problem. And I'm going to save this world in spite of you. And like that was one of the best scenes because we will never see that scene take place between Wonder Woman and Superman and it should. Yeah. It would make them equals if like one of these times whenever Superman and Batman tried to talk down to Diana instead of trying to see 
things from their perspective. She just walked away. Like, that's what Glory does here. And it rules. It's so rad. They're automatically just completely setting up a new power dynamic in this comic that makes me be like, yeah, this is what we didn't ever see in Wonder Woman, right? Like, we've never seen this meditation. There's times, like, obviously the G. Willow Wilson run on Wonder Woman is really good and definitely kind of gets into some of that love versus war stuff and how, like, the things intertwine and, like, all of that. So that's a complicated read and it's really good in and of itself. But this has none of the, you know, like, brand loyalty of Wonder Woman. Like, we don't have to worry about the fact that eight-year-olds are going to buy this, right? Like, this is an image comic. It had a limited print run. Once again, even trying to track it down is kind of a hassle. Often, the collection has, like, its dead names, Sophie, and, like, all of this. So, it's, like, an old printing. It's not the easiest thing to track down. So, once again, they didn't really have to worry about it. So, they were able to go so much more mature than just about any Wonder Woman comic that I've ever read. And I think that that's, that's literally just the setup. Like, we haven't even talked yeah, about Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff you're talking about is, like, even before these pages, right? Like, you you sort of... You get a sense of her backstory because there are flashbacks. I love that it's a dual timeline. I'm a sucker for a dual timeline. I love anything that's like, this ageless being, like, this is their story this time, and this is their story 500 years in the future or whatever it is. And I just, like, love that. I also, there's this, like, showdown moment between Glory and Supreme. This is not a spoiler because this is what you want to know, people. This is why you're going to read the comic, where he comes at her and he's like, you need to stand down and stay down. And she's like, you're right. We do need to deal with this. And rips his arm off. Yeah, and I she was just rips like, his arm off. Glory is my hero. Glory, <laughs> you are the best, the best, the best, the best. So also, though, guess what? It turns out war is hard, right? So like, mm-hmm. Glory is not the most easy person to be around. Glory constantly inadvertently just by her very existence puts the people around her in danger and people are just like yo you you are like out of control like you are out of control like you need to stop they're like you're going berserker you need to take a chill pill (laughs) she's like that's really not an option for me and then like what's that she bites through somebody like i mean honestly like so rad it is wild and then once again yeah they talk a lot about glory's past so we get to see all of this stuff and honestly how She's just been, like, reeling from trauma since early childhood, and now she is much, much older. And so she also has a mortal host, right? And she is hard on the mortal host as well. Like, the mortal host gets torn up by being glory. And this mortal host is passing away, right? Dude, I didn't even catch any of that. Because, like, it doesn't really explain the mortal host part in these pages, so yeah. I didn't even realize that. I, I was like, I don't know who this person is, but it's cool. They can be here, you know, because it was like a past host. And then there's, sure. you know, the little girl, the little girl, Riley, who like gets involved in everything. Riley is like the person who's coming I get in. It. I get it. I, di- I didn't understand the story, like the, the choice that was made at the end. Now I do, but I didn't need to. That's the thing I want to say about this is like, if you love comics and and superhero comics in particular, but really any kind of comic, I mean, Sophie Campbell's art is just... Sophie, I love you. You're amazing. Like, you are so good at everything. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Um, I really, really love this art. It is so astounding and beautiful. But, like, you can follow the story and not know all the details. Like, I didn't realize the hosts were involved. It's not a big part of this story, but it it is now that I realize it. But it, it wasn't important to me to understand that component. I was so enraptured in the, like, Glory has all this family drama going on because she has a younger sister. And then it turns out there might be even another person they don't know about. And like her mom is dead. And then her dad is like a a despot. Who killed her mom, right? Yeah, who killed her mom. And then it's like, but is that what happened? And she has to sort of, you know, totally re-envision what it means to be alive. There's this amazing scene where she goes in ready for like a big battle with her family And then, like, one of her family members is just, like, making pancakes. And so she sits down and eats the pancakes. And I loved that. I thought that was such an amazing reversal of expectation. I love this comic. I also, I almost cried just trying to start talking about it. There is a beautiful, like, Lori's queer, and she has several beautiful love stories in this book. That's not the main thrust. There's not a lot of romance in the book. But we learn about the people she's loved over her ageless eons, you know? And and one of them we don't learn about until the end 
And I didn't even realize Glory was queer until like the final issue. And then we find out about one of her exes and like how she lost her. And I'm just like weeping, you know, just like bawling my eyes out. Just like, this is so beautiful. And so I think it's so interesting to like also so often with Diana, her queerness is buried, you know, for for a much more, you know, she has to have tension with Superman. And she has to have tension with Lilibet. And it's like, just let her have tension with Cheetah. Yeah. Et cetera. They're always like, men, men, men. Make no mistake. She's interested in men. Even yes. though she's she from an island of women, she just likes men. <laughs> just so you know. She left yeah. the whole island. She we was like, clear. throw the island in the trash. <laughs> There's no need for Glory to hide anything or be anything but but who she is. And who she is is fucking bad. Yeah, she doesn't talk about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, she's not like, listen, I just want everybody to know I'm a queer person. Like, that's not really how she enters conversations. It's like, that's literally just something that's always been a part of her. And that's, I mean, it's the same as war, though. There's so much war that has defined everything in her life. So when you see that she has repeatedly lost her lovers. Like, you see that she has repeatedly lost everybody that matters to her, and that started with her mom, but it did not end with it. And that is just something that's so profound. But also just the fact that this comic never, ever shies away from how truly violent war is, right? Yes. It's not sanitized. It's not glossy. It's beautifully, you know, beautifully done on the page, but it is disgusting and and messy and people get ripped to pieces in this like there is multiple characters that just get completely decimated characters are missing limbs characters just get torn up every person in glory's life ends up almost being cannon fodder in a way to the place where she views herself that way and so you get this wild take on just what it means to be at war, you know, like what that actually means in your heart and in your soul and what that can turn you into and how it's really kind of not her fault. Like the whole time you're reading and you're just like, whoa, this person has like crossed several, several lines by now. Yes. But you never feel, it's like, A, they're very triumphant moments for the most part. Even when they're not, you're just like, good God, this person is in agony and has just spent their whole life in agony because that first pain, you know, but also on top of that, a lifetime of being considered a weapon to the place where she refers to herself as a weapon. Like, she does not view herself as a person. Maybe whenever she's with some of her lovers or, like, some of her friends over the years, but not here. Like, at this point, no way. Like, she's just like, I am a tool of destruction. Point me at the thing. Yeah, and you're right. She's lost so many people by the time we catch up with her in the book. You know, she is in so much pain. And also, like, if you're told you're a weapon your whole life, Would you want to develop your emotional world, your, like, interior world? She does, despite herself. You know, we we get to see her really grieve in some of these pages, and it is just astounding. It is it is beautiful art. It is heartbreaking. Again, I, I was weeping at the end of this collection, just bawling my eyes out reading it. And, and like, and I was very happy to be bawling my eyes out. I love to cry. So it was like a delightful, delightful read in that way. Because it's so metal, but it's also so emotional. Like, yes! it's definitely yes. so, like, I'm going to rip through this person. I'm going to straight up tear Supreme's arm off. Like, totally just <laughs> going all out on the violence. And there's like, we're going to kill these motherfuckers. Like, you know, totally just going to kill people. Like, that's Glory's purpose. And then at the same time, you're just like, God, war is fucking terrible and it hurts people so much and the idea of her being in this place where she's just like I am endless war it will not end I am like in this forever the only way for me to get out is to die and I can't die so you know it reminds me a little bit of the part of Song of Achilles where Achilles just wants to die like that novel Song of Achilles And he can't, right? So he just goes after person after person after person. And he's like, I don't even give a shit. Like, I'm just going to kill every person who comes here until one of you fucking kills me. And that's kind of the vibe that you get from Glory a little bit, where it's just like, she's a hero, you know? She's trying to do the right thing. That's like what motivates her in a lot of ways. But at this point, what does that even mean, right? You know, it's like there's so much blood on her hands at this point. She's 
in it forever. What would her life even look like outside of this, right? It's fascinating to me because obviously I'm pretty strongly anti-war, but I think that there's always something to be said about the people who go through it and then themselves become anti-war and or— I was going to say, I think it's a very anti-war comic, too. Yeah, that's it. It is an anti-war comic, despite the, like, true delightful carnage that is rendered. I think that we do see the cost of it. And it's Mm -hmm. all reflected mostly through this one person, but not entirely because the people in her life, once again, it's like everybody gets sucked into this. And it reminds me a little bit of when Cyclops tries to quit the X-Men or something. And it's like, you can't. You can't. You're in it Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. Editorial will never let you go. You are an action figure. You will be in this team for the rest of existence, right? Until like X-Men doesn't sell anymore, basically, and everything gets canceled. Well, Glory got canceled pretty soon, But it's kind of just like, this is one of those comics where I'm like, it is phenomenal that they got to do this. Like, this comic is unlike really anything I've ever seen because of the way that it just shifts the power paradigm, right? The way that it Mm -hmm. just changes things. And it's like, no, this is Glory's story. But it's also Riley's story, you know? And Riley is the person who's like the connection to humanity, right? Mm -hmm. She's just like, hey... Listen. I'm a child. Let's all remember that. <laughs> and that yeah. like, makes everyone feel differently, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I love, like, I love Ninaja, her sister, who is, like, so cool and so yeah. mad and curses all the time. <laughs> I right. love yeah. it. It's so funny. And then they're at each other's throats, and that's, like, such an interesting dynamic. You know, it's like we learned that Glory was actually, you know, she's biracial by species, maybe, by special, I'm, I'm not sure. But she's from a place where there's two main warring species and her parents are from each of them. And and I say species, but I think it might also be race. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. It's basically like angel demon, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's like kind of extra dimensional kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. And so she's born out of a, a marriage done to try and, you know, unite the people and save them. But then as she grows up, she learns, actually, you're a fail-safe so that if anybody rebels, you can put the rebellion down. And that's like, what? Like, I was, I thought I was like this vision of love and of like, we can all be together, but I'm actually here to quell a rebellion. And that's part of why she leaves her, her home is she's like, I don't want to quell rebellions. Like, deal with your own fucking problems. I'm going to go to Earth. And there's like a lot of frustration around that. And then Nanaja, one of the things I love is she inherits this title that Glory was supposed to take. And so now she's supposed to be the fail-safe. And she's like, I'm not going to stay. Glory went to Earth. I'm going to go to Earth. And they're like, don't go to Earth. Earth is ridiculous. Stay here. And she's like, no, I'm going to go to Earth and do whatever the hell I want. Slash kill Glory. And everyone's like, uh, okay, that's strange. And then you realize Glory left when Anaja was still, you know, I think either preteen or teen and left to go do other things instead of staying with her sister. And so Nanaja feels abandoned multiple times over and feels resentment and frustration. And and I'm, you know, I'm part of a two-sibling set, and, like, there's tons of pieces that are here that I totally, that totally resonated with, like, when someone gets out and someone doesn't, you know? Like, when someone gets away from the way things were when you're a kid, but not both of you get out, it, it really does change things, and it changes how people relate to each other. And, I like that they get to have an arc around that. It doesn't just stay static, but it is really compelling stuff. I think the family dynamics and the family issues in here, though they're like hyperbole, right? Because they're all against the backstreet of like war and murder and all that jazz. It's, I think it's really true emotionally. Like I found a lot of truth in this comic on an emotional level around war, around family dynamics, around expectations that others put on you and also expectations you put on yourself. Right? Like, it's important what you were saying, Sarah, that, that Glory also thinks she's a weapon. And that's part of the problem. It's part of why she's in so much damn pain. But it's also, like, it's understandable given the circumstances. Yeah, it's understandable. And that's it. So much of this is just somebody who has unaddressed trauma. And I think that, you know, there has to be so many veterans who feel that, right? Where it's just, Mm. you know, if you're not a weapon, then people don't care about you at all or something. And I think that that's something that was really interesting for it as well. I didn't expect to relate to Glory as much as I do, or like I didn't expect to see as much 
just complicated humanity in this character because once again, like I was just like the Liefeld character, question mark, are you sure? Same. When you were like, hey, read this comic, I like looked at it and I was like, okay, the cover is great, but who is this character? And Liefeld? Like, I don't want to read that asshole stuff. Like, I'm not into that. But then it's like, that's the thing. Liefeld created a bunch of characters and then just didn't do anything else with them pretty much. So it's like other creators come in, you know, and... Joe Keating and Sophie Campbell, though, they fucking, they did something. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a whole different world. It really is. I mean, I love Joe Duffy, like I said. It's fun stuff. I enjoyed revisiting it. But it doesn't... um, It's very good. It's very cool. It's very 90s. This, I felt like, made such a conscious effort to challenge power structures in general and to be like, well, you think this, but there's more to it. I loved, once again, any scene where Glory is just being like, hey, Supreme, shut up, I think is my very favorite because I've just been waiting for Diana to say that to Superman or Batman this whole time. And it just will never happen because she's the paragon of love, virtue, and sometimes war. And we sure love women, but only when they know their place. Yeah, and like, that's always it, right? Well, she's mm-hmm. she's second only to Superman or something. And it's just like, okay, but Glory's not second to <laughs> Supreme. Yeah, so exactly. I like that. Like, that makes me happy. And that makes me be like, not only that, but Glory is bringing like an intensity to the table. And that's what I feel about Diana. I'm like, she's trained forever though. And she comes from this different place. Even if she's not as strong as Superman, like, she's still going to beat his ass, you know, or something. But here, it's totally like, yeah, Glory gets to do all the things I wish Diana could have done. Like, I wish every day that she could tear (laughs) Superman's arm off (laughs) or something. Like, at least tell him to shut up at some point. That would be great. I grew up reading comics where... You know, they're on the moon and fucking Superman and Batman are just like condescending to her and being like, well, you like killed Maxwell Lord and like all of this kind of stuff. So I grew up just reading Diana just be treated like a secondary character, even in her own books and stuff. So just I don't know. I think part of reading this was a cathartic situation on multiple levels because it's like women's body image stuff. Like it was so good just to see a character that doesn't look like she's completely like perfect put together, like literally got her hair done two seconds before she jumped into like the field of battle or whatever. It's nice to see somebody who has a outfit that matches what it would be, right? She's wearing armor. She has her hair back, all of these things. It just makes so much sense. And I love all of that. I love the way that I got to kind of have the perfect Wonder Woman story only through this totally different character. One of the things I love love about glory is the way that sophie campbell draws her she has different hairstyles different outfits and i love the way her hair reflects what's going on for her you know when she goes into battle her hair is big and loose when she is dealing with some internal turmoil she has her hair in a really tight dutch braid and it looks so cool and I always braid my hair in Dutch braids so I feel very connected to Glory in that moment but my favorite panels are absolutely the flashback panels when we get to go to the 20s and meet her adorable fat girlfriend Mm -hmm. I was just like you didn't have to give her a girlfriend and you didn't have to make the girlfriend fat she feels like an analog for Etta Candy in the best way yeah and it is so sweet and it is so beautiful and I'm gonna cry talking about it because it is everything that I am looking for in my in my comics is that deep deep emotion and we don't even see her in like you know however many comic issues are here, 20, 30, and and we don't even see her except in maybe like two of them. And it's still so emotionally resonant because it relates to and it clarifies for us as the reader why Glory's given up. Glory's given up because she's lost everything and everyone. And so she has resigned herself to being a weapon. And Mm -hmm. that is heartbreaking and it is beautifully done in the complete saga i'm so so glad i was so skeptical when you were like read glory especially because i couldn't find it anywhere i was like sarah i don't know what to do and then i found it and i was like okay it's sarah sarah's never given me a comic i didn't enjoy like let's do it and i love it 
And very specifically, I knew you would love this comic. <laughs> I think that there's something about it that just like, it only makes sense, you know, um, that you would enjoy this. I also think it's like, it's super important for all of the reasons. It's important because I think that like having a trans woman doing the art too gives us such a, oh man, just like the difference of visuals, right? Because nothing's a stereotype. It's not just like, oh, this thin, you know, Diana Prince looking person, which is like, obviously we all love Diana's look, but it's not so cool that all of the Amazons look like Diana, right? So I loved just having somebody who truly looked at all of these different forms and brought them to the book. Like Riley is like a tiny kid and like, Everybody just looks different. And I love that in comics. It always grates on me when everybody is like the yes. same height, same body type. Yes, like. there's so much diversity in body. Oh, great point. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Glory is tall, muscular. Like there's there's a lot of things that, once again, we just don't see, right? Like Wonder Woman doesn't get to be super buff. Like <laughs> it'd be cool. Or none of the Amazons do, except for like yeah. maybe Io, right? So it's like there's only... Like, there's only one butch on the entirety of Amazon Island. Like, you mean okay. gay island? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I know. It. it really drives me nuts. But that's kind of the thing is, is I felt like, once again, as you said, Glory's appearance reflects what's going on with her over the times and how it changes. So as we see her now, she's, like, covered in scars. Yeah. But, like, it wasn't that way 100 years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's... It's so beautiful. I really, really love it. I think it's brilliant, thoughtful. I love the dialogue is really snappy and clever, and that's just so fun. I love I love a character going through a hell of a time being kind of cheeky about it. I just because mm-hmm. that's I, I relate to that. I feel like I'm I have frequently gone through a hell of a time and I'm too busy cracking jokes to like process it. I now have done lots of therapy because of that time. But I can really understand how like Glory and even Anaja would use their their humor as like a, a way to deflect. And it's like, of course they would. And I, again, like I, I know I've said this, but I feel like that's the thing that overall makes this comic snap together in a way that is is revelatory, is that there is so much honest reflection on the human condition. And that is, it's what we need in comics, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I just love, love, love. I can never say enough about readjusting what we assume to be the power dynamics of superhero comics. So whenever yes. any comic does that on any level, I'm going to be there for it. But this is just like, thank God she's not a secondary character in her own comic. Like we've had to put up with from Diana forever. So mm. Yeah, everything about it is a cathartic, beautiful experience, very metal, all of the things, violence, hyper-violence, love, war, trauma, like all of the things. This is a wonderful comic. Absolutely. Go call your local comic book store, see if they can get their hands on it. It is Glory, the Complete Saga, Joe Keating and Sophie Campbell. As Sarah noted, Sophie Campbell is dead named on it. We're not going to do that, so you will be able to figure it out. If you can't find one at your local comic book store, I know for a fact Amalgam out of Philly can get it for you. So if all else fails, go look up Amalgam Philly. You should be supporting them anyway. They are a black-owned comic shop. They are the coolest. I constantly just email them and be like, hey, can I add this to my to my pull list? And then they're like, oh, do you want to add Children of the Atom by Vida Ayala? I know you love Vida. I'm like, yes, I do, I do, I do, I do. So they're the best. But do go read Glory, you know, Obviously, Sarah gave you all the highs and lows and and obviously trigger warnings for violence, trigger warnings for abandonment, for lots of things. But it is, it's worth taking some time and really enjoying. Oh my God, that's neat. We have so many projects. It is wild. Do you ever just wake up in the morning and think about all the projects? I do. I frequent. I also wake up at four in the morning and think about all the projects. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't require a full night of sleep to think about the projects, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all day, every day, we think about the projects. Now, one of our projects is that 
last year we started a publishing house, right? Which is, I mean, kind of a big deal. It's called QueerSpec.com. We have a host of projects that we're working on. One of them happens to be Decoded Pride. Now, Decoded Pride, we did an anthology of last year. What it is, is every June, we have one story per day by a queer author. And it goes for the full 30 days of June, and it is very cool. At the end, you get a PDF that collects all of the stories. You also get ebook formats. So if you want to read it on your Kindle or you want to read it on another tablet, you, you get those formats as well. And it is real cool. I have read it multiple times because, I mean, well, we picked the story, so it was real fun. But also, we all have another editor, Monica Estrella Negra, who you know from many episodes. So that's pretty sweet, too. It's super rad. So you get 30 stories, like Sarah said, from queer creators, 30 different queer creators from all around the world. We are so excited to be publishing so many diverse voices. And we're actually running a discount right now. It's regularly $14.99 to get a subscription. Right now, we're running a pre-order sale until May 17th. You can get all 30 stories for only $12.99 with the code here for decoded Yes, it's the number four. You're here for Decoded. And honestly, that's such an amazing deal. The whole thing is an amazing deal. At full price, it's less than 50 cents a story or a comic. And we just couldn't be more excited to be doing this work. We pay everyone who contributes. We pay our comic creators. We pay our writers. And we love it. We love what we're doing. Help us continue to do this by coming and buying a pre-order subscription to Decoded Pride. Go to decodedpride.com buy a subscription, and then with the code here for Decoded with the number four, you can get all 30 stories for only $12.99. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The comic of the week is Euthanauts. Written by Teeny Howard, art by Nick Robles, color by Eva de la Cruz, letters by Aditya Bidikar and Neil Uyatake. This is great. Shh. <laughs> Shh. Get the fuck out of here with this. What the hell? Yeah, this is cool. The art, the concept, the writing, the lettering, the colors, the, the look, like that whole aesthetic the vibe. of this book yes! is like 100% like 90s Vertigo only updated without some of the stuff that we didn't totally need from 90s Vertigo. It's like, 
it kind of is just modernized, but it has that same look of like, you remember, you know, picking up like death or like, you know, just a lot of them. I started to like list some and I was like problematic creator, problematic creator. So I'm just like, in um, that case, <laughs> actually, but you know, like the Sandman style or something. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, they're kind of subdued colors. They're pastels, but they're pastels done in, in not such an airy way, but more of like a creepy way. And with strong primaries like behind it, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. so there will be kind of a mix of palettes that I think really works for this being such like a sci-fi and magic oriented story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the basic concept, I am going to have to have you to like help me with this, Sarah. I'm usually good at these, but it's such a heady concept. It really is, yeah. They're trying to break into the realm beyond life. And realm is a weird way of putting it, but like, what's a better way? I don't fucking know. The dimension, the experience, the moment. And and so they're basically astronauts for death. Euthanauts. Get it? Now you do. And (laughs) it's so cool. It's so weird. I really, really like it. Okay, so here's the back of the cover. After a near-death experience, lonely funeral home receptionist Talia Rosewood is recruited into the Euthanauts, a select group of intrepid explorers and sick folk who pass over willingly to determine what lies beyond. Yeah, so it's kind of like, uh, what was that movie where they're all trying to like experience death but then come back from it and like all of that kind of stuff but you know to the nth level of sci-fi awesomeness and with really cool characterization I liked this book a lot and this is one of my very favorite Teeny Howard books I think that this kind of shows us a lot of what Teeny Howard can do whenever it's like a creator-owned project right because I Read, obviously, Assassinistas, and then there was kind of like a break where I was reading all of the X stuff, and then going back to Euthanauts, like, I love the X stuff, too. Like, don't get me wrong. But Euthanauts just has, like, a different flair, and, like, there's kind of this ability to go into these really strange realms, right? That, I mean, you know, you maybe couldn't do otherwise. And I think that it really works for this story specifically. Totally, totally. So, you know, Talia is this this very interesting character. She's always felt sort of, like, out of place in the world. Like, she doesn't feel like people get her. She also feels like she's constantly around people who are dying, and, like, dying mm-hmm. people seek her out. And she's like, this is weird, right? And her friends are like, oh, you're reading into things. Yeah. Like, you're morbid. <laughs> yeah, you're just weird. Uh-huh. And she's like, I know, but I think there's something else about me. And she's at a restaurant and she sees someone who is really sick out at dinner with her family. And then she gets up, Talia goes to the bathroom, meets the older woman in the restroom, and they're talking about death. And Talia's like being way too direct and then is like, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been that direct. And then <laughs> unexpectedly, uh, the woman attacks her. And that's wait, of wait, thing. she tries to smoke weed with her first. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just want to make a note. Anyway, yeah, because she's like, all these, like, judgy people, I'm just, like, going to self-medicate in here or whatever. (laughs) It's so funny. And then she offers it to her, and she hits her instead, which is so messed up. Like, at least let her toke first. Yes. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. There's, there's like, a, you know, and I I will say, uh, you know, Talia is a woman of color, and the older woman is white. So, you know, there's a, there's some weird dynamics there that I don't love, but it ends up serving the story in a way that I, I think is ultimately it makes sense whether or not it's the right call. It is so interesting because then it's like now suddenly Talia is able to like connect with the dead. Like, what is that about? How did that happen? Oh, my God. I just love it. I just love it. It's so weird. Yeah, to me, this is kind of a shame, I guess, that this didn't get to go on longer because I think that this is one of the things that kind of falls by the wayside. This was a comic that I really enjoyed, but I I don't remember what the deal was. Like, there was just so many great comics. Yeah, I don't know. There was, like, other really great Teeny Howard comics, like, the year that this was released. So I feel like this is one of the lesser-known ones, right? It's kind of like a sleeper hit or something, but it is great. And I think that people should really pick it up because 
I feel like the world building that happens here, you know, you just want to see more of it. I was just like, dang, like, this is so cool. And it's only like, what, five issues or something. You really wish that there was like a little bit more to the story, even though it's a fun, you know, self-encompassed story. Totally. Yeah. It it, it works in, in the single volume. And I want to see more of it. You know, there's this this great character named Indigo who is has a different view than the euthanauts about the the you know the veil of death and and what our relationship should to it should be but is also like not quite what we think indigo is at when we first meet them you know um and i don't know what pronouns indigo uses but anyways also the art is like i know we talked about it but i just flipped to like a a two page spread that is just so beautiful. It's Talia. She's in her euthanauts outfit, which looks a lot like an astronaut. Again, now you get it. And she's out floating in the, I don't know, death sphere, the what lies beyond. Again, we don't know. And you can see sort of, they're not sound effects, but they're, you can tell it's like the voice in her helmet is like yelling out at her. But they're, the panels are constructed by like the cords connecting her from her, you know, to her suit. Like there's somewhere there's actual panels, but it's so organic and they're they're put together so interestingly and I, it's so hard to describe. I just I genuinely think Euthanauts is one of the comics that you just cannot miss. Yeah, you cannot skip this if you like philosophical stuff, heady stuff. Like I love that the narrative resists giving us an answer, a definite answer to what happens when you die. It resists giving a definite answer to what that that zone is or, or could be or what the limitations are therein. You know, there's some kind of malevolent force in the what lies beyond, but there's also now the, you know, the woman who hit Talia is dead and now she's in the beyond and she's trying to help Talia. And it's, oh, it's just so cool. (laughs) It really is. And it's definitely one where it's like, I don't want to give anything away, right? So um, more or less like, yeah, this conversation is us being like, the aesthetics are cool. Like the concept is cool, but like, there's kind of a reason we can't tell you anymore. Um, totally. The way that the, <laughs> the story wraps up is like honestly really worth reading. And it will 100% make you be like, okay, so where's volume two? Like, where's volume two? Where's volume three? So honestly, my thing is, is like, if you can buy this, buy it. If you can get it from your library, get it. I would love for this to do like better and better. I believe I read like a tweet from Teeny Howard at one point that was just like, this was really great, and I would love to continue the story, but, you know, sales and stuff. So I'm like, um, I would love for you to continue this story, too, because this is, like, definitely one of my favorite Teeny Howard works. And that's saying a lot, because as listeners yeah, know, Teeny Howard's a big boss. fans. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. And, like, yeah, the creative team on this is just perfect. It's one of those perfect creative teams where you're just like, nope, everybody's bringing their A game. Yeah, and I really like stuff about death, other realms, you know, like occult or occult-leaning things, macabre things, philosophical things. And and this has all of that. We wonder about death. It's just part of the human condition. It's it's we don't know, so we wonder. And even if we have faith systems that tell us what happens, I would say that most people probably still wonder. And this comic just takes all that wondering and and treats it so valid, so creatively. And and it made me even more curious about death, a little bit less fearful, even you know. Like I was, I felt like, oh wow, like what a great way to think about death as like this. And again, many traditions around the world, many faiths around the world, absolutely already do this. But I think this comic does it in a, a way that doesn't feel tied to any particular tradition, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Of saying like, yeah, we should wonder about death, and there's something magical about death. There's a magical experience to it, a a sort of edge of the mind experience is what I'd call it, right? Because we can't really talk about death in any solid terms because when we talk about death primarily, we're talking about the experiences of those of us who are still alive. So it's, we're more talking about grief than we are death. And, and to take this sort of side entrance into the conversation around what death and dying means is just like so cool. It's heady, but it's accessible. It's weird, but it's... It's so well-written and so well-illustrated that you can track the weird and you can stick with it through all of it. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how much more highly I can recommend this. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch that show, uh, Dead Like Me? 
No, I didn't. Okay, so like it kind of reminds me of Dead Like Me a little bit. Well, now I'll watch it. I don't know if it holds up, but I remember it being pretty fun for like the year 2000, right? Where it was like (laughs) this girl who's like uh, not stoked (laughs) on shit um, gets killed because of a flying toilet seat. There's a thing from a plane that goes awry and then like a toilet seat kills her. And then she is a reaper, right? Which means that she's one of the people that collects people for death. And so she sees people's stories play out and she sees her family who she like didn't appreciate when she was alive and like, you know, all of that kind of stuff and how they have to like suffer to mourn her and stuff. They're totally different stories, but this did kind of have that similar thing where it was like, what if you're interacting with death in like a different way, right? Yes. Yes. I love that. Well, make sure to check it out. Again, it's Youth and Knots. And the creative team is written by Teeny Howard, art and amazing effing cover on the volume by Nick Robles, color by Eva de la Cruz and Nick Robles, letters by Aditya Bidikar and Neil Uyatake. a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So (laughs) we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And do you remember there's no I'm bitch? If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.